What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's special episode. You know they're always special, Tommy. Every episode is more special than the last. We worked so hard to make them super <laughs> special, but today it's really special because we're going to be talking about modern cars and are they just becoming too stupid annoying? Yeah, so look, there's a lot of new technology in cars and it really has accelerated in the past few years and we want to discuss is this technology actually improving the experience or is it just making it frustrating? Yeah, is new tech actually making cars better or worse would be another way. And impetus for this came from the fact that we just brought, brought a bought a brand new Ford Mustang GT. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spent literally 15 minutes of my life trying to figure out how to switch from Apple CarPlay to Sirius XM, which we get as part of the car, right? They give it to you for a limited amount of time. And I had to resort to, I mean, I hate to say this because it was embarrassing, but I had to actually resort to voice commands because I could not figure out on the screen, because what happens is Apple CarPlay takes over the entire screen and usually these little three dots in the corner and you press those, it takes you back to the native system. But in Sync 5, it doesn't do that. Well, you have to push the home button, Dad. I did push the home button. I pushed the home button like 10 times. And you still couldn't get it, huh? It doesn't take you back. Uh, it took me to two screens, Apple CarPlay or my phone. Mm. Those were the two options I had. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 I'm going to be brushed with, I'm a cranky old man, but I think what's happening is that, you know, over the years, new technology has made cars better, but it's come on relatively slowly, right? So when uh, ABS brakes happened, right they kind of propagated over time and there were a lot of people who were like i don't want abs brakes you know because i can pump the brake and stop it faster and no you can't we understand that the tech does it better same thing with fuel injection right but it doesn't happen overnight now with the rapid electrification of vehicles uh and manufacturers following in tesla's footsteps and changing everything not just from the technology to how you do the radio, but also shifting, driving, steering, right? It's happened overnight, and I'm wondering if, um, if that's just made cars 
uh, annoying because well, I feel like it has. Well, what I what I've done here is I've compiled a list of technologies mm -hmm. that have really proliferated the market, and a lot of these technologies are not brand new. A lot of them were pioneered a bunch of years ago, like adaptive cruise control. Mercedes was using Distronic 20 plus years ago, but nowadays it's really in just about every new car, like it's in every basic Toyota you can possibly buy. So we're gonna go through this list, talk about some of these features um, that are now commonplace in just about every car, and talk about whether or not they are improving the driving experience. Yeah, or distracting us and making it more dangerous, actually, than safe. All right, so the first object on our list of the First point of contention, if you will, the elimination of physical buttons in favor of integrating everything into screens. So, you know, the story from the manufacturer is going to be this, right? The Hold up. Before we get into that, uh -huh. we're going to do, what's that show you used to like with the movie reviews? It was like... Roger Ebert at the movies, thumbs up, thumbs down. Okay, elimination of physical controls, are you doing a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I'm going to do two thumbs down. Okay, I'm also going to do a thumbs down on that one. Yeah, and the reason for that is because um, it's not necessarily because it's making our lives better, right? Manufacturers will say people are used to iPhones and Androids, and so they don't need buttons. But the kind of ugly fact, and this is also something pioneered by Tesla, is that it makes cars cheaper to build. Yeah, 100%, because if you can cut down on production costs and development costs of building individual buttons for the climate control and for the volume knob and for all your safety features, if you can just stick all of that in the screen and just do it through a bit of software, that's going to be cheaper to manufacture in the long term. Manufacturer's not going to admit that. And I think that screens have really added to the driving experience in a lot of ways. There's a lot of really great technology that comes with screens like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto and that kind of thing. But for example, like a very common trend with new manufacturers is putting mirror controls in screens. Um, seat controls. Or, or seat controls or, or steering wheel adjustment R Rivian controls. does that. I spent 15 minutes trying to adjust the seat on a Rivian when we had it because I didn't know. I, instinctively did not know that like the uh, seat controls and the, uh, like a Tesla, the, 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 the steering wheel control, right, is in those two little rotary dials on yeah. the steering wheel. Yeah, like the steering column, if you want to make it go up and down in a Model 3, you got to go through I'm sorry, that. no, it's not, not the seat control, it's the, re I want to be very specific, it's the rear view mirror controls that they put into those two buttons. Mm. I think the seat control still has a traditional control. Yes, I think you're right. But like steering column on a Model 3, you have to go through a special mode. And, and the argument there, I think, Tommy, will be, if you own the car, you'll get used to it. And I think that's very valid in a lot of instances. I think that's a, because look, part of this job, which is great and a detriment, is we only get the car for three days, five days a week, whatever it is, and we're driving so many things that we're hopping in and out. So some of the things we say, I mean, yeah, a lot of that is related to the fact we're always driving different stuff. If you have a Rivian for six months or a year or three years, you're probably going to get used to where those things are. Yeah, but there's this like Russian saying that, you know, cows stink, but if you put one in your bedroom after six months, you'll get used to it. And I would say if you have to get used to something, then it's poor and not intuitive design. I'll give you an example of that, right? Obviously, the way the mirrors work in most cars for the last, whatever, 30 years is there was a little control, either manual or now electronic, where you switch from left to right mirror, and then there's like a four-way switch that lets you move the tilt, tilt the mirror and move it left and right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is very natural, elegant, and intuitive. And it's, it's kind of where your left hand normally falls 
because that's where the mirror is, so it's close to the mirror. And when you take that button and that control and you get rid of it and you put it into two rotary dials in the steering wheel, it becomes much less intuitive and much less elegant and I would say much more annoying. Well, I also think there's a safety aspect here. For example, um, in previous um, generations of certain vehicles, they had volume knobs. And if you wanted to adjust the volume, you just reach over and grab the knob. Now, oftentimes, it's a little thing in the screen you have to touch and tap. Good news is a lot of manufacturers still have physical knobs on the steering wheel for stuff like volume. But like climate controls, right? So many of those now are integrated in the screen. The other downside, too, is, and we've had this happen with Tesla products and other products, to be honest, if the screen fails or if you have a glitch and you can't access the screen, you lose all climate control. You lose your ability to change your mirror position, and then you're really dealing with safety problems. All right, so let me, let me go back to our thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, mirror switches, side mirror switches, someplace else than on a little switch on the left side that you switch from left to right mirror. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah, just leave it there. So thumbs down for that as well. Thumbs down for moving that. All right, how about this? HVAC controls uh, that are built into the screen. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm also going to give a thumbs down on that one. Me too, thumbs down. Because that's one that I often change when driving and I like to be able to just have that tactile feeling. Well, let's give an example of that. So we have uh, an old Mercedes GL that we bought mm -hmm. and that's got a rotary dial for uh, the temperature control. Right. You know, with number 68, 70, 72. And every time you want to go up, you just go click, click, click. Super intuitive, right? I've just gone from 68 to 70. In that Mustang, I don't mean to pick on the Mustang because all cars do this, but in that Mustang, if you want to do that, there's a screen and you have to actually either physically move the non-slider up and down or tap it up and down. Right. Uh, and, you know, you first of all, not it's, it's not always displayed. Mm -hmm. So you have to get to that control. And then when it is displayed, then you have to either slide this virtual slider up or down or tap on it. Is that better or worse than just reaching over to a knob and going click, click, click? Very tactile, very satisfying. Sliding something on the screen is just silly. Well, let's move on then. Let's go to the next subject. Okay. Um, lane departure, um, no, not lane departure warning. I'm not gonna lane give keep? that one. No, not lane keep. Let's do blind spot monitoring. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, two thumbs up for me. That's a great piece of technology. What we're talking about is that little indicator typically in the mirror that lets you know if someone is in your blind spot. When you turn, go to change lanes, it'll usually flash or give you an indicator that there's someone there. That's a great piece of technology. Yeah, now some cars, this is another one that Tesla has absolutely ruined because some cars have little triangles that you know light up Sure. Let you know. Some cars have little, uh, I think it's, it's like written and it lights up, right? And it flashes. Tesla decided that a much better way to do that, instead of having it where you actually look, uh, they put uh, the view from the camera that shows you what's next to you into the center screen. And if there's something next to you, I believe it like flashes right around that. Mm -hmm. But that's not where my eye is. Right? If I'm going to change lanes, either I'm going to look over my shoulder if you're old school, which you still should do, I believe, or you're going to look in your rearview mirror. And so whatever's happening down here on the screen, you're looking over here in the mirror, is absolutely useless. So they didn't make it better. They just made it less intuitive did they change, and cheaper. Did they change that on like the new Model 3? I don't know. I don't think they changed that. I don't, okay. think, I don't think the Tesla actually, at least we've owned four Teslas, and I have yet to see actually any 
and I could be wrong, you know, correct me in the comments below if I am, any physical warning that is actually incorporated into the rearview mirror? Um, I, yeah, look, it's an unintrusive, for the most part, piece of technology that improves the safety experience. It's a win. Now, what about... But it's cheaper, right, if you don't put it into the rearview yes, mirror. Yes, a couple yeah. less LEDs you need to put in, cheaper manufacturing. What about lane keep assist or lane departure warning? So this is either a little nudge of the steering wheel when you're about to leave your lane or an audible beep or a vibration that lets you know you're leaving your lane? Um, I find that very useful, but in a very specific use case scenario. Okay. So when I'm on the highway on a road trip or driving to the airport, I really like that. It, it's a really good feature. When I'm, you know, in city traffic and, you know, you get to a little bit of road where the thing turns on, I find it super annoying because I don't expect the wheel to be jerked in in my hands when I'm kind of driving around going to get uh, lunch. So is that going to be a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a, a mix? That's going to be like that. I'm putting my thumb. Sideways thumb. Sideways thumb. thumb, depending on the use case scenario. What is a thumbs down for me, though, is when there's not a clear button where you can turn it off, mm. where you have to go into a menu, like Toyota does, is notorious for that. That menu usually lives in the center screen, right? Yep. And you got to scroll through. you got to go scroll left to right to find the truck or car settings, and you got to scroll up and down to find where they call it, what do they call that? There's, Twitter has these crazy uh, LK, it's like lane keep, LK I think something. It's just LKA, lane keep assist. Yeah, yeah, anyway, there's a whole bunch of those, right? BLMS, blind spot monitoring, and you gotta find the right one, you gotta know what that means, and you gotta deactivate it. Good news is, though, typically that's a one and done thing. You turn it off and you never have to think about it again. Yes, unless, of course, you are um, Ineos. This is also, this is probably one of the most egregious and one of the most frustrating ones that's out there. So what Ineos, in their wisdom, has decided to do was that they've incorporated, and then we're talking about the Grenadier, right, the new off-roader. Yeah. They've incorporated um, a feature that uh, you cannot turn off and turns itself back on every time you cycle the car. In other words, every time you turn the car off and on. And this is what happens. When you start the car, you... I have the speed limit that's displayed in the screen, center screen this time, right? Mm -hmm. And if you exceed that speed limit, it beeps at you eight times. Eight. Right. Yeah. Right? And then there is a way, it's like four menus in that you can turn that off, and you can make it a shortcut. But when you go to lunch, have your lunch, come back, turn on the truck, it turns on again, and every time you exceed the speed limit, which is a lot because you just do it, right? That's just the way you drive. Let's say the speed limit is 25, and you go 26. I'm not going to do all eight, but you get the idea. Um, so here's the thing, right? I like it in the vehicle when you turn it off and it stays off. If it cycles on between keys functions, that's definitely frustrating. That, 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 I think that, to me, uh, is one of those... It goes beyond annoying. That's one of those deal killers that would keep me from buying a vehicle. And by the way, we have an Ineos coming, so there'll be a video on this because we ordered one before I knew this was actually a feature and a thing. And I think it's, um, it, that comes from a European market, as I understand it. Like some EU markets require the speed limit warning by law But now. we don't. But we don't, yeah, yeah. So they should have separate software for us. Speaking of which, what do you think of this idea that's been passed around where uh, um, different countries and different states are playing with uh, ideas of actually setting... Uh, a maximum speed limit that cars can go. I think Volvo started, right? Volvo initially said that their cars will not be able to go over, is it 130 kilometers an hour? 
No, if I remember right. no, no, it's a lot faster than that. It's like 112 miles an hour. Is that it? Is the speed limit. But in California, the there was a representative, I think his name was Wiener. Yeah, so he's proposing that um, there's a, a limiter on a vehicle that prevents a vehicle from exceeding 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. So, if so speed, not only would it beep at you, but it, then it wouldn't accelerate. Well, the idea is that the speed limit is 35, you can't go over 45. And his argument is that in no instance would you need to exceed the speed limit by more than 10 miles an hour. Really? Yeah. Not even for a safety reason. Well, I, I, and, and that's, that's what people are saying, right? That's an argument against it. Certainly, like, I, I think the best argument is it just feels very big brother, very nanny state. But this is all being allowed because we are now... Uh, turning our cars into extensions of our phone, right, where they're super wired and they have all this uh, not only privacy issues where you're being tracked and everything you're doing is being tracked, uh, but now it gives the government or people who want to, you know, do this in the name of safety a reason to actually start doing things like imposing speed limits. And I think that's just horrible. I, I agree, Dad, but I don't want to jump on the bandwagon and say, look, all technology is bad. Because, like, in the office right now, we have a 1984 Honda Civic wagon. Brand yeah. new car. It's got 69 miles. Never been sold. That's a series, by the way, we're doing. One of the great things about this uh, podcast is we kind of give you behind the scenes because we have some time to play with. Yeah, and it's been sitting for 40 years. It's not currently running. We're going to get it up and running with some help from a bunch of um, Honda enthusiasts and hopefully maybe even drive it back to California, back to the museum where it lives. But um, When we did the first TikTok, it blew up. It got, like, what? 10 million views on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, people were really excited people about it. People were emailing us, uh, asking us if we could want to sell it. And we can't. It belongs to Honda guys, yeah. 69 mile, 84 Civic wagon. Yeah, it's Honda's, it's not ours. And there is a lot to be said about the simplicity of that car. That is a carbureted vehicle with um, no power windows, no air conditioning, no radio, no, radio, no passenger side mirror. Um, it's got none of the stuff we were talking about. It's got no haptic controls or screens or anything like that. You can fix it with a couple of wrenches, right? There's a lot to be said about that. But then there's a lot to be said by the fact that here in Colorado, every other truck you see is an F-250 or F-350, and everyone's texting. And if that person slams into you at any speed, no airbags, no traction control, no ABS. I mean, I, it's a very primitive vehicle. I think, you know, we all, especially you guys out there, can agree that there are a lot of things that have... Uh, been added to cars that have made them so much better and so much safer. Airbags. I don't think anybody's, unless you're, you know, really off I mean, the, Dad, there's people out there off the grid, right? Seatbelts are still bad. So unless you're really off the grid, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're arguing right. that, that, yeah, yeah, that airbags are bad, uh, or that fuel injection is bad, right? Sure. Right. I think we can all agree for the most part that. The, but now we're getting beyond that, right? And I think Tesla is the one that's pioneering this, where it's changed just for the sake of change. I'll give you another example. Uh, some things have taken 100 years or more, actually, to become what they are for a reason, right? A turn signal is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. You know, a turn signal is so intuitive. The stock. The stock, yeah. If you want to go left, you push down. If you want to go right, you push right. And yet Tesla decided in all their wisdom that we don't want turn signal stocks. What we want is a yoke, which is a grand way to pilot an airplane. Uh, but... Because we have the yoke, we don't need the turn signal, so we're going to put the buttons in the steering wheel. People have tried buttons, I'm sure, for, for, for turn signals, and they went away from it because it's not as convenient as having a little stock.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The other thing about a yoke, of course, is that, uh, you know, I like to drive with my hands kind of, you're supposed to be nine and what is it, nine and three. three. I like to have them a little bit higher, but now if I would do that with a yoke, there's nothing there. Same thing at the bottom. So you have not made my driving experience better. You have just made it a lot more annoying. And I think a lot of that's true, especially like when you're turning that yoke and then all of a sudden the... Um, the turn signal buttons are on the other side of the steering wheel and they're inverted. I mean, a lot of that can be confusing. Right, and people out there, you'll get used to it. But you have to fight the grumpy old man's syndrome. It's not grumpy old man. It's just stupid, Tommy. But you got to understand that like, when Ford went away from the two-speed band transmission in the Model T to a three-speed conventional transmission with a clutch, there were folks out there saying, this is worse. You know, it doesn't make sense. It's different. Why change something that works, right? So you have to... There's, there's a fine line between, I agree, is it change for the sake of change, or is it change and it's scary and it's different, but maybe it's better? Like, push-button start's another one. Push-button start's something that people hated mm. when it first came out. People wanted to go back to a key, but I think that, for the most part, people love push-button start and remote proximity entry where you just open the door. Yeah, but I think when you're your age, you tend to look at guys like me and my age, and you think... You don't like new things because you're old and you don't understand them and your brain can't process them. I mean, that's kind of the subtext. I will tell you, I've always been an early adopter, right? And so when personal computers first came out, let's say you wanted to copy and paste, right? You had to know basic, which I knew, right? And you had to type literally the command for the computer to copy something, right? Sure. Then that came along and you had a mouse and you had a pointer on the screen and you clicked the mouse and it pasted or copy, right? That was obviously much better, and immediately I was like, you know, the world just changed. Same thing when the iPhone came out, right? We had, the, we had these old phones, and I, I needed a phone that, that not just, you know, let me call you, right? But let me call, um, not, not just let me call you or let me call my wife, but let me actually, you know, text and go online uh, and, you know, have apps. And the second the first iPhone came out, it was obvious that it was just a much better way of doing things. I don't think it was obvious. Maybe it was obvious to you, but to a lot of people out there, especially in the business world, people swore by their Blackberries because they had the keyboard and they thought the keyboard was better. And they fought and fought and fought against the change. And now I think in retrospect, yeah, it was a good change. But, you know, a lot of people didn't like that. So what is better? Better means more choice. Uh, in some cases, like the, like the steering wheel, right? When you have a steering wheel, you can put your hands on the top or on the side or on the bottom. That is choice. So whatever you're comfortable with, you can do. A yoke doesn't allow you to do that. So now you're taking away choice. Sure. So but better is more intuitive. It just naturally, you understand, right? Doing intuitive software 
design is really hard. That's kind of one of the things that Apple's been really good at, right? So it's like something like a five-year-old could pick up right away, like an iPad or an iPhone, and understand how to use. But when it becomes less intuitive, and you have to struggle to figure out how to do it, I would argue that that is much worse, and that's what's happening with cars. That's why they're annoying, because you can't no longer just get in them and drive them. You have to figure out how to turn them on. And it's, it's not just that Tesla is changing things, I think, for the sake of changing them. Other companies have decided that they want to do that as well, to stay current or modern or hip, because there's some designer that has decided that instead of you know, using uh, a lever to put the car into gear, you now have to have buttons to put the car into okay, gear. Okay, we're stepping ahead of ourselves. Look, there's a lot of things that Tesla pioneered that are better. A lot of things. Let's talk about app integration. The Tesla phone app just makes sense. I agree. You know, that's a really good example of technology that's not for the sake of technology, that didn't exist 15 years ago. Being able to pull your phone out, warm up your car from your house, lock your car from anywhere in the world, give access to someone who doesn't have a key, that is really cool technology. It's been very reliable in Teslas. Even phone is key in a Tesla, right? Why do I have to carry on a phone, a, a fob? if I have my phone I, with me. I love that. And there are instances like your phone's dead, what do you do? But for the most part, it's better. Yeah, I love that when it works, which you know, works on like nine out of 10 times. Uh, but I, you know, that's one of those other apps that I would buy a car for just so I didn't have to carry around a key. Because my phone I always have with me, my key I don't. So that's but, great, that's an improvement. But, but maybe, maybe a way you could um, judge whether something that Tesla has done is working or not is if they actually backtrack on it. I'll give you an example, right? Putting the speedometer in front of the driver or any driver-centric information, sure. you know, has been something that many manufacturers did because that's where most people are looking when they're driving. Many, of course, you know, put the screen in the center. So Tesla decided, let's put all the information in the center, right? right? And now, in the new Model 3, they've taken the speed information, basics, and put it back in front of you because... Have they done that? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think the Model 3 has that, and so does the Model S. Well, S and X have it because they're too cheap to change it. Um, <laughs> no, go I, look. Let me see. I think there's a screen now that's in front of the driver in the new uh, Highland Model 3. You could be right, but I just don't think so. Let me take a so look. So I'm not, I'm not, I am, I am, I am all for innovating and making things better. I'm not for innovation that Benefits. I no, mean, there's no screen. There's no screen. No. You sure? No, no screen. That's a new one. Yeah. I mean, but that, like, what I'm saying is, there's a fine line between innovate what we think is innovation and what we think is a nuisance, right? Um, I'll give you an example. Like when when uh, automatic emergency braking came out, people yeah. thought that was okay. How about this one? Seatbelts. People hated seatbelts because that was a nuisance having to get on and put your seatbelt sure, on. Sure, remember those cars that actually made you put them on? Yeah. Where, where it like almost decapitated you if you stuck your head out there? Right, and people hated that, but I think people finally figured out, well, I wear my seatbelt. A lot of people still don't wear seatbelts. Uh, yeah, I, I know, which is asinine. But for the most part, I think seatbelt is a pretty common thing in vehicles. Um, automatic emergency braking, when that first came out, and, and also the technology has to evolve, people didn't like the idea the car could stop itself and maybe it would kick on too early and maybe it would like jolt your passengers. But now I think it's pretty universally accepted in our community at least, well, uh, that uh, it's a good piece of technology. It saved me from accidents, it saved you from accidents. I would say at least 50% of the reason that that is good is because you're spending so much time either distracted by your phone, sure. right? Or right, yeah. digging through menus to, so you can figure out how to do your lumbar support. That's another one, we just have a Mercedes S-Class, right? right? And Mercedes S-Class had, I think, the pinnacle of seat controls. 
They were a seat control, and as known Mercedes, they've done this for decades, that was shaped like a seat. How more intuitive can you get than that, right? If you wanted to slide them forward, you would slide the bottom cushion forward and backward, backward, right? Same thing. And then um, for some reason, Mercedes and its latest flagship vehicles decided that they were going to make those things haptic. Mm. And now, because I'm so used to actually having a physical and tactile response to when I slide it, I go to slide it forward and the seed moves up. Or I go to move the, you know, the, the, the headrest down and it moves forward. So let's, because it's much harder to operate and they've taken something that, that, that is a must for me because of a bad back, right? Right. Which is the lumbar support and they've hidden it at least two menus in, maybe three, depending on you know, how you end up, uh, into the screen. Instead of having it like where every other car has it, which is just reach down, push a button, and you know the the lumbar support comes out, or you know some of the European cars have a little lever here. You go boop, and the and the lumbar support. Now I got to go into like three different menus to do the same thing. I would argue in the long term that system is easier than the little lever on the on the on the seat. All right, so you buy an S Class. It's it's nineteen. So the cow no longer stinks. It's nineteen. No, you still have a cow in your bedroom. It's nineteen eighty five. Yeah, you buy. A 300 SD, okay. right? Yeah. You, Which we've owned. We have not, unfortunately, owned well, a, We've owned the, the a e- W124, uh, yeah. but yeah. Um, or whatever that was called. Um, but anyway, you buy 126. You buy a 300 SD. Yeah. Um, you are driving it, yeah. right? You own this car. Right. Not for a week. You own this car. Yes, I own it. You drive it one day, okay? Right. You move the seat back. You right. dial up the lumbar, nice and comfortable, okay? Then. Next day, my mom's driving it. Right. She scoots the seat forward, dials down the lumbar control. You get into the next day, scoot the seat back, dial up the lumbar control. It's a lot of stuff you have to do. Oh, by the way, you also have different mirror positions. Oh, by the way, the steering column's also in a different position. That new S-Class, I agree, having to go into the screen to adjust lumbar, pain in the ass. But you simply set it to your profile, never look at it again. So you would never have to look at it again. I dis- I, first of all, I disagree. So in the olden days, right, right, which was like four years ago, the way you would do that is you would have a button next to seat control, and I get in the car, push the button to whatever preset position I have, sure. and it would scoot to number one, and your mom gets in the car and hits number two, and it scoots to number two. Or, or yeah. you know, better yet, 10, 15 years ago, I'm not talking about the 70s, now you're way back there, you would actually have a key, and then the key would be programmed to your seating position, and so sure. I would have a key, and my, your mom would have a key, right. and, and we wouldn't even have to go into, you know, the, and I'm sure you could do the same thing with this current. Yeah, 100%, gen, gen, you can do the same thing with Generation, that. so I'm not sure we're making any better. But we are making it better, because now it's not just the seats, it's the mirrors. You can do the same thing with the key. It's it, not it, just, it, does, it does the sure, exact same thing. Sure, back then, it's not just the mirrors, it's the radio presets. Mom listens to country music. You hate country music. You're getting it. You got your well. That's chill. Part, that would be part of Apple CarPlay. No, it, you. But you would. And that, that won't change. But you would. Yeah. But like a lot of systems will incorporate music preferences. Climate control. When mom drives her car, she likes it at 80 degrees. You like it at 68. Once That'll again, tie to the key. You could too. do the same thing before too. Depends on the car. I agree. All right. And here's something else. Okay. That that is not part of this magic process that you're describing, and that is. Um, I get in the car and uh, my back is really killing me that day. So I have it set like halfway out yeah. and now I want to go full out, right. right? Reach down, push a button, ah, it's full out, right? Well, I'm driving, just push a button. Sure. Now, instead of that process, I've got, let's say, the home screen going. Uh, no, say, let's say I've got the navigation screen going in the Mercedes. I want to do that exact same thing. So I'm driving, push button, looking out, 
driving safely, not taking my eyes off the road. Now I have to go, go from the navigation mirror to the home screen, push the comfort button. Once I push the comfort button, uh, I have to go to the seat button. Yeah. Once I push the seat button, the, the default first one is not the seat, it's actually massaging function. So I have, to, I have to switch from massaging to seat, and then I have to take my finger, and then I have to pull it across the screen to adjust how far exactly I want the lumbar to move back and forth. Sure. Uh, versus, you know, pushing a button while I've got my hand on the wheel. Yeah, but if you had a lumbar issue in your 2010 S class, you've got two-way lumbar control. In this thing, you've got infinite adjustability. Don't need you can that. Adjust the shoulders. Makes it harder. Don't need it. I think it makes it better. And the other thing Sometimes too, choice is bad. Here's the other thing too, Dad. Let's talk about massaging seats. You don't like massaging seats. A lot of people do. That has trickled its way down from the S classes into Volkswagens. You can into Kias, into Hyundai's. That Kia I just drove had a massaging driver's seat, right? Another piece of technology, which is which is once reserved for expensive cars, now in everyday cars. Right, but th this is this is the problem, Tommy. That that lumbar, right? Your iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there three buttons on the side. Right. I mean, this thing could have ten different buttons to do ten different functionalities. Sure. At some point, the more functionality and the more buttons, the more confusing it gets. It doesn't make it better. But you're it, arguing it, against yourself because now you're saying more buttons is worse. No, no, I'm saying more choices sometimes becomes worse when they're not intuitively designed, right? Yeah, I get that, but I really think that for the most part, like that S class in general is pretty, pretty simple to use, you know? Um, and even iPhone, right? Remember? Okay. Here's a good one. Okay. Everybody lost their biscuit with the iPhone when they got rid of the fingerprint scanner. Right. That was like, or how about this? Oh, man. Do you remember head, headphone jack gate? The little headphone thing? But Tommy, once again, I, I think that's, you're just making my case for me. The, the, the little button on the iPhone was actually better because you could be like talking to somebody and you could just be under here and boom, the thing comes to life. Now, because Apple didn't want to pay for that functionality of a physical button, you actually have to do this, right, and, and, and get the face ID. The, the fingerprint ID was much more convenient. You could do it in your pocket, you could do it without looking at the phone, but it, it cost more money and so they got rid of well, it. Well, it also took up a lot of screen, safe, screen space. Like Andre was just showing me his old iPhone 5 the other day, the bottom half inch is nothing but use wasted space because that's where they put well, the Well, Android puts it on the back. Which is a great solution. Yeah. I think Apple should do that as well. But I'm saying, I mean, it's just, it's, it's cost cutting. It's not because it's an, a better solution. So let me give you another example of a technology that's now coming in that I think, I'm sure somebody will argue it's bad because it's more complex and it'll cost more to repair, but it's just wonderful. I have no problem with it. Rear wheel steering. That Mercedes has rear wheel yeah, steering. it's great. And it makes a very big, you know, boat, which is an S-Class, right? It's the biggest uh -huh. sedan they build. Um, outside of the Maybach. Do you still make an Maybach? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, much more maneuverable. I mean, it's like, it's like you know, like, uh, it becomes in its ability to park it itself or you park it like a Toyota uh, Corolla, right? It just takes that giant car and just shrinks it down by two-thirds. Uh, much, much more, um, I would say, uh, convenient, much easier to use, and it there's nothing you have to do. You just have to drive it. So well, it's not asking anything of you until, of course, it breaks and you have to repair it. And that's one of those things, like, that's not a new technology. No. Acura was doing that in Integra in the 90s. How, um, about, how about Chevy? With, yeah, with Quadrasteer. Yes. Yeah, right. Same kind of deal, early 2000s. But yeah, I mean, now it's coming to a lot more vehicles. Every BMW, every Mercedes we've driven for the last few Porsches months. Porsches have it. Porsches have it, right? That's a great piece of technology. It's like, it's like fuel injection. It's just better. But how about, let's, let's go on that trend. How about steer by wire? 
So I got to drive, for the first time I got to drive a steer by wire car. What was it? It was a Porsche, uh, it was, um, e no, it was Doris, it was Edith. So I went. It was uh, a concept, basically. It was like a. It was a prototype. Prototype, yeah. 911 that they built to drive up a volcano. So they set a Guinness World Book of Record with this uh, 911 uh, that drove 22,000 feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. uh, and they decided, and this is actually a good idea, that they wanted to incorporate um, steer by wire because instead of having a physical connection between the two wheels, right, which you would have normally, a rack. Yeah. Um, you then have just mo two motors. Hmm, so you know this problem where like you're off-roading uh, and you hit a rock with one of the wheels and then the, w then the, then the wheel kind of steers right or left because you hit the rock and then all of a sudden the steering wheel just does the same thing and you have your fingers in the... Yeah, and you can actually break a, break a, finger, a yeah. finger. Yeah, yeah when, when there's no physical connection between them, that doesn't happen. Sure. And then you can also change the you know the steering ratio depending on how yeah you can make it fast yeah yeah or slow depending on your yeah exactly yeah uh, so that was you know Cybertruck has it and that was my first ability to actually drive it mm -hmm. uh, and it, it worked really well and and this is of course a prototype one-off vehicle so don't you know you can't extrapolate too much from this but I was about to go film it and I was sitting um, in the other prototype which didn't have it uh, waiting to go up the course and I sat in that car for probably a half hour. And what had happened was uh, somebody had uh, stalled the car and they had a special procedure on how to restart it. Yeah. And they couldn't get the uh, steer-by-wire to actually activate. Yeah. And when you can't activate steer-by-wire, the car is dead, right? Because, right. because it needs to be able to steer itself. And you can extrapolate. And this is, this is you know, I'm taking a big jump here, right? But let's say throttle-by-wire, you're driving down the highway at 80 miles an hour. And Which that, has been the thing for a couple decades. But it has, and, yeah. that, and that fails, right? I mean, right. There are redundancies built in, but that fails. Chances are the fail-safe moment is that it's just going to, you know, kill the engine and you're going to kind of just coast to a stop. If steer-by-wire fails at 80 miles an hour on, on, on a, you know, Utah highway, then what? Sure. You're dead, right? You're going to go flying off that highway. There's no default position. Well, I just want to go straight. You're still going to go off the highway because I'm sure there's a turn. Um, so, so I don't know. Is it better? It, it probably is going to, you know, airplanes have had it forever. Yeah, so, so it's probably coming. And Tesla, once again, pioneers a lot of this stuff. Is it cheaper? You have a story about that. So I drove a Lexus RZ450E. Yep. Um, in California. Because Lexus is working on it. Yeah, so Lexus has two versions. They have a normal steering column version and then they have a steer-by-wire version. Which has a yoke. Which has a yoke. But their argument is you don't need a wheel with a yoke. Because you are never going hand over hand in the RZ450E. And that's because, because it has steer-by-wire, you have completely variable steering ratios. So, at slow speeds, you turn the wheel a little bit, the wheels turn a lot. At high speeds, you turn the wheel a little bit, the wheels turn a tiny bit. So you never have to go more than 90 degrees in either direction to get the vehicle to maneuver. Did you like it? Um, I thought it was pretty cool, yeah. And I think that a lot of people are going to crash them on test drives because it's a little tricky to get used to, right? You have to reprogram your you brain. You have to kind of reprogram your brain a little bit. I have no problem reprogramming my brain for something like that. Uh, but there, you know how I got the Tesla um, speedometer wrong? You said it wasn't in the New Highland? Yeah. Here's one I didn't definitely get wrong. You know, the Model S Plaid came with a yoke. Sure. And but that didn't have the variable ratio thing. Right, right, right. Which was a mess. But event terrible. eventually, Tesla started offering the started wheel. offering a steering wheel, and then right. eventually the steering wheel became the standard, and the yoke became the option. Well, let's talk. Keep going on steer by wire. So, um, so Lexus, which is Toyota, of course, 
and with the Cybertruck, they have double and triple redundancies. So they have systems, and for example, like in the Lexus, it's an electric vehicle. It has a 12-volt architecture for your um, buttons, your radio, your, your seat movements, your windows. It has a high-voltage architecture for powering the motors. And then it has a third battery just for steer-by-wire. So they have a, it's completely disconnected. So if your high-voltage battery fails, if your 12-volt battery fails, you'll still be able to turn the car. They have double redundancies on the motors that power the system. Um, they've got double redundancies on the feedback machine, on the, the steering wheel. Don't quote me on that one, but I know there's double, triple redundancies on everything because we talked about it. It's actually heavier than doing the steering column. Is it more expensive? It is more expensive to do it, but a couple advantages. The variable ratio. From a safety standpoint, one of the hardest things to engineer around is on most vehicles, you have the shaft right in front of your face. And in an accident, that shaft is always tempted to go right through your neck. Yep. Now, of course, in modern cars, we have collapsible steering columns, but it still is an engineering safety challenge. So you're getting rid of the spear that's pointed at your at, chest. At your chest. And then, like an electric car, with the front trunk, you have to work around having a steering column, this big post going through the front of the car. You can make a front trunk bigger, in theory. right? So there are advantages. Look, I have no problem with uh, uh, steer-by-wire. If, if you know, if I'm on an airplane and it's flying by wire, well, yeah, I mean, and, and there's much less, you know, um, much less space there for fault because you're in the air, and if it, if it comes down, you're not going to survive. I was just curious. Airbus yeah. released the A320 with steer by wire. Yeah. In 1987. Yeah, I have no problem right. with like technology that makes the car better, safer, gives it more functionality. It's when it does the exact opposite, and they do it because uh, the latest craze is. Uh, and here's a good example, and I think maybe, maybe. So let's, let's take a step back and talk about the Cybertruck for a second. And by the way, we should have a video out. If you're listening to this, Andre actually uh, flew to California, and one of our viewers bought a Cybertruck. So he's going to do a first tow video. Yay. He's going to do a video on the, what it's like um, to drive a Cybertruck from the perspective of the traditional truck guy. Great news. So I think we should have a lot of Cybertruck content. But but let's let's talk about you know the Cybertruck and kind of how it. Or should we save that for the truck podcast? Save it for the truck podcast. All right, we'll, we'll save that for the truck podcast. As you know, we do two podcasts, Car Chat and Talking Trucks. So maybe, yep. maybe what we'll do is a special podcast now that we've got Cybertruck um, experience, hands-on experience, talking about it. I think that's a much smarter idea as opposed to you know, spitting into the wind. All right. Um, I'm going to keep going on my list here. Um, so we talked about haptic controls. We were both knowing that. Are we both two thumbs up on automatic emergency braking? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thumb sideways on that. I'm thumbs up on that one. Um, adaptive cruise control? Uh, yeah, thumbs up on that one. There's one. What's the biggest issue with that? What's the biggest issue with that? The problem with adaptive cruise control is um, if there's a lot of traffic, let's say you just no traffic, works like a charm, you're just flying along, somebody merges into your lane, it's having to hit the brakes, right? The car slows down automatically. Yeah. If the person in front of you speeds up, the car speeds up. But in a lot of traffic, it, it ends up kind of like you keep getting pushed into the back of the line. So people keep merging into your lane sure. and because even the shortest distance is too short, right? There's a line of cars and you just go, keep going farther and farther and farther back. Right. And because I, the car just automatically makes room for the car that's trying to like weasel its way in front of you. I hear what you're saying. What you're saying when you say like, look, it, it's frustrating because 
you end up making <laughs> less progress down the road because you just keep getting shoved. For the you back. probably don't make less progress, but it feels like you do. But um, I mean, the the latest stuff I've been in, like yeah. that Model Three, if you have it on the shortest distance, I was in a Rav Four the other day on its shortest distance, and it was too close. I was like, okay, this they've gotten a little aggressive now. Like first they were way too conservative, now I'm like, this is a little aggressive. Let's back this down. Um, okay, automatic high beams. I think those are great. Thumbs up. And they've been around forever. Uh, automatic wipers are great, except Teslas, for some reason, don't work very well. You like automatic high beams? I do. Yeah. You I'm, know, I'm actually... Like Ford's, it depends on which... It, that, both of those, automatic wipers and high beams, depend on the manufacturer. Yeah, very so, much so. So Tesla ju just has really poor programming yeah. or sensors or whatever it's it is. Terrible. But like, like, it, like you'll, you'll, you'll drive by, not through... Drive by a sprinkler in a Tesla, uh -huh. and wipers don't I know, going. it's not good. Then the sky's open, yep. it's a torrential downpour, and you might get intermittent wipers in a Tesla. Yep. Ford does really good automatic high beams. Some manufacturers, of course, they really struggle with that. They struggle yeah. because you'll end up blinding on it's, you know, that's another thing. Let's talk about that, right? Uh, uh, the lights have changed so much now that once upon a time, it was easy to tell if a car had its high beams on or not. Sure. But now, you really can't tell because they're so powerful in the low position. Yep, that's a good one. That, that you have a hard time actually distinguishing whether they're on. Because oftentimes, I'll be like, gosh, this guy is blinding me. And it could be a pickup uh, that has a weird squat to it. That's also a... Yeah. And then you flash your high beams, and the guy flashes his, or gal flashes his high beams at you. And you're like, oh, sorry, but your low beams are still blinding me. Yeah, right. And, and I had an interesting program a few years ago where we went to the lighting lab at FCA now Stellantis. Yeah. And they have these virtual, ro well, physical ro roads that they build in warehouses so they can make them dark. And then they also have these enormous screens that they can place in front of the vehicle. And with the new LED lights, it's really interesting. You can dial in the exact pattern oh. of where the light beam is. But I, they, like you said, they're still too bright. We are so far behind Europe on some of our lighting technology. Laser lights, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, like, I think I knew the reason for it. But I don't know it's, now. We've always been behind. We've been running sealed beams like 25, 30 years after Europe abandoned the idea. Um, like, I'll give you an example. In Europe now, they have active high beams where you can leave your high beams on and it won't dim the, the light coming to the oncoming traffic. It will physically manipulate the beam around the car coming towards you. Yeah, it's because amazing. they've got so much control over the light pattern. And we could do that here. But our legislation is so bass accurate. Well, there's a lot of people out there who are listening to this who have bought cars with laser beam headlights, right? Uh, and they're not active because it's not allowed. The other one that's not allowed that Europe is getting, of course, are cameras for side mirrors. Sure, right. It's another one. Um, now, this is a, I got this one. I'm going to give this one two thumbs down. Okay. This, I think, is a great example of what you were talking about when we're talking about um, Progress for the sake of progress. And we're actually backtracking on this quite a bit. Automatic parking. Remember that was a huge deal like 13 years ago where you push a button and it'll like park itself in a parallel spot? So here's something interesting. I've never seen anyone actually use that in the So that's world. very cultural. You know, I was just driving uh, the new uh, Genesis GV70, uh -huh. right? The 3 Series competitor. And there should be a video out uh, probably when you're listening to this because there's an embargo. It's the, th it's the sixth. So we're taping this not on the 6th, so I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to break the embargo, sure. at least in terms of how it drives like. Uh, but um, I was having a conversation with uh, some of the Korean guys there, and they were telling me that in Korea, because it's such a, well, Korea is the size of Indiana mm -hmm. with a population of 50 million. Wow. So imagine the density. Whew. So their parking spaces are much tighter than ours. So can you imagine 
what that means and why you would have, let's see if you can put two and two together, which I'm sure you can, Tommy, why you would have automatic parking. Because the spots are tiny. Exactly, because yeah. you can't get out. Mm -hmm. uh, and they actually do something else, which I did not know this, and apparently we were trying to discuss if, if all Korean cars do this. So sometimes, because the spaces are so tight, let's say you have cars that are lined up like next to each other in a row. Yep. Okay, so you use your automatic, you get out of the car, use your automatic parking to get the car in between a space that's so tiny that if you were in the car, you'd have to crawl out the window. Sure. Right? But that, they're not done parking cars yet. Yeah, because of the smart parks, they can just back the car out of the No, spot. what they'll do is then they'll park cars in front of those. Oh, God. Not, not, so the cars are parked, you know, let's say it's a T. So imagine you park the other car like in front of it, like a T shape. And then the, the solution to that is, and this is very common, in Korea, you leave your car in neutral. And people will come by and they will push it out of the way wow. so that you so that you can then pull the car out and then push it back unreal and so we were trying to figure out like if a lot of modern cars right like electric cars because they build electric cars if because in america if you put your electric car in neutral and you turn it off it'll automatically put park. put on the parking brake but yeah. apparently in korea i think we, we, we couldn't fig quite figure it out you can put your electric car in neutral and leave it parked in neutral so people could come by and push it out of the way really so they can get out of the way, yeah. Yeah, maybe it is cultural, but I've never used it in the real world. I don't know so, anyone So that Korea, has. thumbs up. Yeah, maybe <laughs> us, us know. Thumbs down. Um, well, it, ha it has hit an airplane. There was a video where the Tesla like, drove itself into an airplane. Yeah, God, it's <laughs> terrible. This is one that I think is pretty much all advantages with no disadvantages. One of the few pieces of modern tech, rear occupancy alert. Basically, if you leave your baby in the back seat, it'll ding and warn you before well, you get out of the car. There's two versions of that, right? Uh, there's the, the, the good version and the bad version. Well, some, some of them will, if you leave your bag in the back seat. So, like, so, Check back so, seat. so the good version is, you know, it looks to see if there's any weight on the seat or if the seat belt is. I think GM does this. It just automatically just reminds you to check your back seat. Sure. Now, I think uh, Kia and Hyundai and some other manufacturers actually have motion detectors back there. Well, GM now in that new Tahoe, remember, they said they have sensors to look for heartbeats. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they can alert you on your phone. The, the, the coolest cool. tech, I think, which if it works is great, uh, is uh, where it lets you know if there's like a bicyclist or a car coming and it won't let you open the door. Yeah. So you don't open your door into oncoming traffic. Uh, also, cross-traffic alert, kind of the same thing. You're going to back up. You don't see someone coming towards All you. Right, here's, here's one we haven't discussed. So we put this list together before the podcast, but here's one I just thought of. Yep. Because we just had this Lexus RX, mm -hmm. uh, which was super frustrating. Once again, pioneered by Tesla. Uh, electric buttons for the locks. Door handles. Door handles. What do you think of that? That's dumb. Yeah, I, I think every, every, like anybody, door handles Anybody over 50 struggles with that. Yeah, that's not good. No, it's going to be two thumbs down. Corvette did it like on the C6 generation in 2005, and I thought it was dumb then. And I still think it's dumb. And a hint that it might not be grand is when there's a redundancy. Well, because, you have to have a redundancy. Right, but if you, if you just have a regular pull door handle that's not electric, sure. you don't have to have a redundancy yeah. because if the power's going or not, it's going to open. That's a good one. That's it. Right, how, about, how, about, how about flush door handles? The car behind you there has what was used to be a classic door handle, right? You just reach in, mm -hmm. and then there's a button on that little cinquecento, and you push it, and you open yeah, the door. Power door handles, I think, are also the Mercedes useless. has power door handles. Yeah, I mean, I know you get some aero benefit out of it, but how much can you get, really? Yeah, on, on I, four door handles. I don't love case, it. Two. Yeah. Um, what about Apple CarPlay and Android Auto? Mm. These are the best and worst of times. I think it's always good. No. What's what's the worst of times? 
when it takes over, and it's going to be, uh, Porsche today just announced, so Porsche and for some reason Aston Martin are uh, announcing a much deeper integration with yeah. Apple CarPlay. Like where it'll actually do the gauge cluster and, and your Yeah, it'll be, it'll be the that. entire yeah, yeah. OS. Yeah, UI. Yeah, UI uh, for the system. So like I said, uh, I used to love it, and then I got in this Mustang, and I could, you know, because I had Sirius on, and I wanted to do my channel chill, and I could not get out. Apple CarPlay took over that screen, and there was no way outside of using voice command for me to get out of Apple CarPlay. And I thought to, to myself, it's either that, or I'm going to have to turn off Bluetooth, you know, and then, you know, get, and then that's a pain in the ass, because then you got to turn it back on, and it's got to find itself again. You know how that is. You know what's interesting? So as much as I was supporting that as class and like the lumbar thing, yeah. if, I, if I were to play um, devil's advocate for a sec, and, and there is a big part of me that does really want this, one thing which I never really thought was fully explored, but should have been. So the, these companies spend billions with a B on developing software. It's incredibly hard and ridiculously expensive to develop these UI systems, right? Which is why Apple CarPlay is great, you plug it in, but, but you still then have to develop your own system and then Apple CarPlay on top of that. In like a cheap, affordable car with a crappy infotainment that doesn't work great. Why not just have like an old school iHome on the dashboard with a USB-C and a lightning thing that you stick your phone in and then it just plays whatever's playing on your phone. And that's your entire infotainment system. Because look, you're already using realistically Google Maps or Apple Maps on your phone. You're already using Spotify and Apple Music. Just delete the whole infotainment system and then give me four buttons for the climate control. Problem solved. Yeah, I thought the original ID Buzz concept had that, was, right? And the Up, I think, had that. Where you take your phone and just boop. Yeah, and then you, you, the company wins because they save money on screens, right? And let's be honest, people are on their phones anyways all the time regardless. So well, just put a I, mount on the dash I mean, and make that your, your UI. The answer to that is the same reason that GM is now not putting Apple CarPlay or Android Auto into their electric vehicles. Because they vehicles. can charge more for like subscription no, services? No, because they want to sell the data and the information. Oh, yeah. There's so much. True. And this is another thing that um, I got to say, if I were a car company, I'd be so embarrassed. You know, BMW got itself in to a giant black eye when it decided, and keep in mind, this was only in China, so a lot of the stories were wrong, but when it decided that I was going to charge a monthly fee for heated seats, for heated seats now Mercedes, I think, is going to do it uh, for its, uh, I think it's level three automation, right? Sure. Right, so tell me about the level three. You've, you've actually driven a Mercedes with level three autonomy. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's very limited in where you can do it. Like in California, they got approval to do it on pre-mapped highways, which to their point, they have a lot of the main I-5 and 10 all mapped out. Speed's under 45, you're stuck in traffic, which happens a lot in LA. The sun is out, which happens a lot in LA. It's not raining. The, the car will take control and more interestingly, responsibility. So like the current level two systems like Tesla Autopilot or full self-driving, your, your hands have to be on the steering wheel, you still have to be engaged, you're still responsible. With this new Mercedes system, when it's engaged, by the way, they're, they're looking at, um, I think it just got approved in EU, a little turquoise light on the outside to let other road users know you're in autonomous mode. Yeah, yeah, I got approved in Vegas too, in, uh, in Nevada. Or maybe it's teal, yeah. It's Nevada, But it's yeah. like this kind of funny little shade, uh, but the car drives itself and not hands-on, eyes-on, like even Super Cruise, you still have to be paying attention. The Mercedes, you take your hands off the road, you take your eyes off the road, and you just send an email on the screen. It's kind of funny, like, the car is in control. 
it takes responsibility if it messes up. They even first press trip trip I've ever been on where they bring a lawyer out, right? Which is pretty funny. But like California still has texting laws. Like you can't text and drive. But you can send a text from the infotainment system and drive. Sure. That is legal. You can watch a movie. You can watch TV on the screen. Like there's all these things you can do. You can play a game, right? Um, and I drove it in LA in traffic and like it's horrifying for the first five minutes because you're like, I this feels so wrong and then you get immediately comfortable it's really interesting how so, quick that transition happens so can i make a suggestion to all of the uh car companies out there including tesla yeah uh, please uh if you and, you know i think amazon just stepped in a big pile of poo itself when it decided to charge more money to not give people commercials right i think people are very sick and tired of being nickel and dimed. Sure. And two things that happen. First, you're making yourself much smaller, right? Mm -hmm. you, you come across as like, like the uh, like the subway shop, right? That says, hey, if you get an ex if you get a large one, we'll combine it with you know a bag of chips for two dollars more. That's what now BMW or if Mercedes starts to charge for this feels Which they, like they do. Yeah, it's it, a, it, it just it just it really. Thing takes a company that in my eyes has a stellar reputation, one of the brands that's probably the most valuable in the world, and, and you've just taken away so much brand equity because now you're telling the world, you know, what we really care about is not building the safest cars in the world, but what we care about is making the most money. And, and, and I know most people assume that, but now you're kind, of, you're kind of, you know, playing into that narrative. Here's what I do think is cool about DrivePilot, which is what Mercedes calls it. So Tesla has like their level two systems, and they call it full self-driving, which it very much isn't. And it's all camera-based. They're relying on cameras for vision to determine lane position, to determine distance to the car in front of you. And we've had issues with it. Like that Model 3 we have, phantom braking where you're on cruise control and then it slams on the brakes happens all the time. Well, here's a, here's a more practical like experience that we recently had with the Model 3. Sure. We had a lot of snow. Right. They started using magnesium chloride here, which is basically salt. Right. The car got covered in salt. Uh, and until you wash the car, that system stopped working. Um, because yeah. the cam cameras were covered, couldn't see until so you get a big warning every time you start it up. Uh, uh, you know, downgraded system. Do not. You can't use. You can't use autopilot. Uh, right. You can't. You know, it doesn't have sensors for like when you're. You know, pulling up to us. I know. A, a curb you don't know because. So, so compare. It turns itself off. Compare that to what Mercedes done in the drive pilot cars. Like yeah. you can get it on S class and EQS. So they also use cameras. Yeah. Right. But they use short and long distance radar. They use LIDAR. They have three separate GPS positioning sensors in the roof that, that use all three sets of satellites to determine exact lane position in the vehicle. They have sensors on the wheels to determine whether or not the road is wet. They have audible sensors in the trunk and cameras to see if there's an emergency vehicle behind you. Like this is the stuff you need to have a safe, autonomous experience. Yeah. Sticking one camera in the windshield and calling it a day is not the solution. I agree. Yeah. And I don't mean to pick on Mercedes. I'm just talking about in general. Any car company decides that it wants to charge for anything that's safety related. And to me, autonomous systems are safe. 100%. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Now let, let's rewind the clock, Tommy. Once upon a time, there was a small car company, Swedish car company called Volvo, right? Yeah. And well, it, they're still around, allegedly. They're still around. Yeah. And it developed something that has probably saved more lives than anything else, I, even more than medicines, right? The seatbelt. Mm -hmm. Sure. 30,000 people die a year 
in on American roads. And you could, I think, easily double or triple that number if you didn't have seatbelts. Sure, 100%. And instead of saying to, to their customers, guys, we've developed this incredibly cool feature, and what we're going to do is, if you want a seatbelt, we're going to charge you $15 a month to have a seatbelt in your car. They went and did the exact opposite. They actually went to the car industry, yeah. and they said, here's the patent. You guys go at it. You know, we care more about yeah, our awesome. customers than we care about profits. Well, and this they, is this is the problem. Not their customers. They cared about society. Society. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anybody. Yeah. We care. Yeah. We care about. We, what that says is, we care more about your your daughter, your brother, your sister. Right. You know, whoever your your you know your fiance in your case. Sure. Than, than than we do about you know putting more money into our coffers. And when you start doing that, that's how you build a reputation for safety. And Mercedes has done that along the way. First company, and I'm picking Mercedes. Again, they have ABS, right? Well, yeah, crumple zones. Crumple zones. Early, um, yeah. they were really early with airbags. Yeah, and now when you start telling else. your customers, oh, by the way, the, the safest thing we have is this new automated driving system. Uh, we're going to charge you for it. Sure. Oh, it just, it's just, you know, it's not a good look, and it just cuts the wrong way. Uh, well, but they for the brand. They wouldn't look at it as a safety feature. They would look at it as a convenience feature. Like if you're in LA in traffic, click it on to go do your thing. Not dying is a safety feature. I agree. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying like it's not like it's got better brakes than the, the standard one, which is also, by the way, you can pay, most manufacturers you can buy a higher performance version that's going to handle. Well, Volvo could have said, you know, you could spin that any way you want. Volvo could have said, you sure. know, not dying is a convenience feature. You don't have to go to the you don't have to go to the hospital, so you know we're going to, we're going to charge for it. So last couple things we got on this here. Yeah. Gear selectors. They yeah. Got the oh gosh, gear selectors. Ah. You don't like the buttons? Uh, There's a reason for them. Knobs, buttons, rotary dials. Yeah, but you clear up all that space. Or Tesla getting completely rid of it. Yeah, you're really picking on Tesla today. Because they're the... the, you know, the so, but they're the ones innovating. <sighs> there you go. Just drop so, that bombshell on you. So, you know, so I would say 30%, maybe to 50% is innovation. And like or it was innovation, and 50% is just pure marketing crap, right? Okay. right? When you take a Cybertruck and you, you riddle it with bullets like, like or, or yeah. Tesla just did, or you know, Joe Rogan took an arrow, this is not, this is not innovation. This is just you know, clickable uh, social yeah. media uh, you know, uh, flutter that allows you to not have to market your cars or advertise your cars. Sure. And then a lot of the stuff they do is downright deceptive. Jason just did this great video about the Cybertruck, you know, pulling the Porsche and how, you know, Mr. Musk came up and said it, you know, it, it beat um, a Porsche in a quarter mile race. Turns out it was an eighth of a mile race. Did he not know the difference between an eighth or a quarter mile? You know, oh, well, he's a pretty smart guy. He's he a pretty smart guy. If you, know, if you know how to shoot a rocket, I think you know the difference between an eighth and a quarter of a mile. Right. And so, so all this stuff has kind of tilted toward marketing you know, making a cyber truck out of stainless steel, right? You've seen all the new ones out there. They're all getting wrapped. Why are they getting wrapped? Well, because it's like trying to keep your refrigerator clean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, also, did you know stainless steel also rusts? I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, it does. I, Especially yeah. on the corners. Look, but it's a shame because all of the innovations they are making are overshadowed by throwing a ball at the, at the windows and shooting it with whatever. Because, like, keep Sport in mind... Guns. I think the Model 3 and the Model Y and the Model X are still some of, if not the safest vehicles in their class, right? 
I mean, they are incredibly safe cars from a crash safety standpoint. Right, and that's that's another message that you know just got diluted when they went away from redundancies. You know, and uh, yeah, to a camera. I but agree. It's, yeah, like, it's right. like there's this there's this push and pull within the company, and sure, uh, and maybe it's reflective of Musk's mindset. You know, his his desire to innovate versus his desire to be the richest man in the world. Right, that you, you can see that in the company. You know, we want to make a super safe car, but. In order to make more money, we have to then, you know, get, we rid, just, of get, get rid of stocks and get rid of, you know, yeah. switches and, and get rid of uh, yeah. part of the steering wheel. Sure. <laughs> well, you, you, know, you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So there's this push pull in the company and you never know which way the company is going. And the, for me, the bottom line is I do not trust Tesla. Mm -hmm. Right. They also, and, and, this, and these are like things that, that car companies never used to do, the Tesla pioneers, which do not make the car safe. Using your customer as you know, the beta program, this has become you know, commonplace now, not just within Tesla, but within other car companies right. where, they, where they put out half-baked products. Sure. You know, and then via software updates. Right, I agree. Right, this, this, is, this is not the way you earn customer trust. 100%, no, yeah, and what the result of that whittling down of customer trust is, is if I have a Lexus RZ450e with steer-by-wire and a Cybertruck next to it, next to it with steer-by-wire, Look, I, 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 I would like to believe, and I really hope to the bottom of my heart, that the engineers of the Cybertruck, and they likely did, have double and triple redundancies and have tested that steer-by-wire system. But I would not trust that the, company to yeah, do it, to pioneer But because it. it's got the Lexus badge on it, and I know how conservative Toyota and Lexus are, over years of building some of the most reliable cars on the road, I would trust that Lexus a hundred times more than I would trust that Cybertruck with steer-by-wire. Even if that is not based in... in engineering as a consumer that's where my mind would be yeah and it's it's you know the other irony and this is a technology question is for somehow consumers have no problems with becoming guinea pigs with their lives and the lives of their friends and family right uh, because uh, the government has not stepped in so sure, it becomes right. like a government thing well I'd rather not have the government step in I'm gonna give my welfare up uh, you know to this big corporation but Musk you know let's face it Tesla is basically a family-run operation it's not it's not a traditional company he runs that company he decides what's gonna go he decides you know he decides what's gonna be out what's gonna be in who he hires I mean he's very well it's like our company right it's it's a, it, it's a big corporation that's run like you know a small company yeah but for better or worse that's always been like the difference between Europe and the US from a legislation standpoint, right? When you look at cars, Europe has really strict rules about how a vehicle is engineered and, and, and safety and, and, and this kind of thing, at least recently. Um, and the US oftentimes solves a lot of these challenges in litigation after the fact with lawsuits. Right, but there's, there's smart and useful laws and there are stupid laws and you can argue about which ones those are, but I think, I think it's very logical to say that uh, you know a law that um, says I can't drive a car more than 10 miles above the speed limit is definitely the kind of law that most people will you know um, strain at and be upset by. Sure. Right. Because that is taking away freedoms. Yeah, I agree. Right. But but a law that says you can't put a half-baked product out on the road that's going to endanger people who have not signed up to be beta customers. Right. Right. Because when you buy a Tesla, obviously, you know the first thing you do is you, you sign the waiver that you accept all the, all the all the technology and all of their mm -hmm. that they're going to do. But if you're you know walking your dog down the street, you have not signed that waiver, and so now you're the beta customer, unwittingly. Right. So so I, it would seem to me the government could step in at that point and say, hey guys, you know this is not something that is allowable. Right. Where if you want to if you want to you know go test your cars, do it on a closed course. Mm -hmm. 
but don't do it where there are people who have not, you know, opted in, <laughs> yep. walking around with their loved ones. I agree. Yeah. Or riding bikes it's or whatever good, it is. It's a good conversation for yeah. sure. Let us know what you guys think. I mean, yeah. Hopefully, we, you know, we, we kind of we kind of set a framework of discussion here. Yeah. 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 And I'm always very wary because at the end we kind of went political, and I don't want to go political. Um, so, guys, you know, we really strive not to be political here. And today, everything has become politicized. I mean, you know, where you eat, where you cut your hair, where you live, just a whole, you know, we recently got a spate of emails assuming things about me that are completely wrong because you don't know me. Um, from a political standpoint. From, yeah, yeah, you don't understand what I value, what I don't value. Sure. Uh, and, and, I, and that's on purpose, right? Because we figure there are much better places for you guys to have that political conversation. And even when, like, you know, automotive stories touch on politics, we're very careful to not involve that because everything has become politicized and we love cars and trucks too much so we don't want to smear them with you know with like like personal beliefs about freedom sure you know right. we, we want to just talk about cars and trucks yeah. and separate the two and that's sometimes hard um so anyway that's always been the way we've you know we've been and i think that's the way we're going to continue to be well, let us know what you think in the comments below. Um, if you want to um, um, help out the team, check out our Patreon. We greatly appreciate the help. You can also see the final couple episodes of my Mercedes GL before they go live on YouTube. And if you're watching this or listening to it, chances are that either Andre and myself are driving a brand new Tacoma. Great uh, from, news. From Houston to, to Colorado. Yep. We were one of the first to take delivery of it. I'm flying out tomorrow. We're going to time travel here, Tommy. VIN 319. Yeah, 319. It's pretty cool. Cool, yeah. All right, Tommy, where should these guys go if they want to see me drive a, an, or maybe Andre, um, pick up and drive the new uh, Toyota Tacoma? Well, it'll be on TFL Truck on YouTube, or you can over to, head over to alltfl.com. It's all going to be over there in one convenient spot. Yeah, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. Yep, we'll see you on the next time. Thanks for watching, guys. Ciao. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.